welcome back. Hey. Hey, what 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 you been doing this ah, week? Man, I've been uh been watching some movies. Looking forward to seeing seeing you. I I think about you every week around really? this time. <laughs> around this time about a couple days before the podcast comes out. Oh jeez. You know, sometimes we record the day this podcast is supposed to come out. Some days we record like three weeks in advance. <laughs> yeah. You know, just a real consistent day. Yeah. And I always think about you. What? Any day through Monday through Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> At least once a week. At least it happens. Sometimes it feels closer to two weeks. So <laughs> yeah, true. The way we record. We do be recording weird, though. We sure that's do. A, that's okay, though. Mm. That's what makes family Family. Happen. You know, you make your schedules work. We do it for family. Casey, what do, do you think that... I mean, obviously, we, we copped out and we already did a meme, which was good. It, it, it got our best likes yeah. on Twitter in a while. <laughs> but do you think that that meme... Like about like Dom whatever mm-hmm. from what Dom Toretto Dom Toretto saying like family and all those memes. Do you think that's like a viral marketing campaign or do probably. you think it's real? It's probably a viral. I mean, I think people find it funny mm-hmm. definitely because there's been some good memes come from it, but yeah. it's probably a marketing campaign. Not gonna lie, because I don't know. It's just uh, it's just weird. I don't. I can't. See, I'm wondering why it's a meme now and wasn't a meme back when Furious Seven came out. Yeah, I I heard, like, about this. I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, but I distinctly remember when, like, Seven came out, like, people were blowing up on Twitter and fucking talking about it. And I'm like, I I guess he's, like, big into family, but now it's a meme? Like, Yeah. I don't know. I saw a pretty good addition to um, all this stuff. I just have to find it real quick. Okay. Is it the Game of Thrones one? No, no, oh, okay. no. That one's good. <laughs> this is like a copy pasta. Okay. Dom Toretto sits down at a dinner table in a dimly lit restaurant. Whoever he was meeting, it was important enough to have been ushered in through the kitchen. A waiter brings a basket of breadsticks and the wine list. Moments later, the jackal arrives, a former CIA and Mossad ghost operator. The jackal was probably the world's most wanted man and was certainly one of the most dangerous. Dom. I need you to do something for me. The UN summit convenes tomorrow to pass the law against breeding dinosaur embryos in space. You can't let that happen. You need to level the building with monster trucks. The waiter returns with a round of drinks and a few more breadsticks. You're barking up the wrong tree, pal. Dom was fuming at the audacity. I don't do hits, and I sure don't do them for a scumbag like you. Dom, that hurts. That you'd say such a thing about me? Besides... You wouldn't say no. Not here. The waiter returns, this time with dinner menus and even more breadsticks. It's like there is no limit to how many breadsticks this guy is bringing. Dom is taken aback. He flips through the menu. Classic Italian fare at a great price. That son of a bitch had set an olive garden trap. (laughs) Like a summoning circle for Italians, Dom was bound by the building, by the sacred ground. Here, he couldn't say no. Here... Everybody was family. <laughs> that was good. I forgot that that's Olive Garden's slogan. Yeah. When you're here, you're family. You know why I know the Olive Garden slogan? Because it's fucking shameless product placement in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Did you ever see it? No, I never saw it. Oh, it's 
It's brilliant. It's like, <laughs> babe, have you been checking out those apartments on Zillow? Yep. They're really good. It's great prices on Zillow these days. Oh my god. That's probably why I haven't watched a Sonic movie. <laughs> it was like the last movie. Well, not technically the last movie I saw, but one of those that I remember before quarantine happened. Yeah. That's, It'll always stick with me. That's awful. I'm sorry. I saw The Grudge right before quarantine. The that's new Grudge. fucking bad. Yeah, it was so fucking bad. God. Well, what movies did you see this week? You know... I'm trying to think if there's any besides one big one in my head. Mm-hmm. I saw the movie of moving. Um, I moved houses this week, so I didn't, oh, yeah. I didn't have a lot of time to, to watch movies. I did watch a lot of TV, though. Have you ever seen I Think You Should Leave on Netflix? Mm-mm. It's one of the funniest fucking shows ever made, and they released season two this week. So I've been I've oh, been watching yeah. that, and it's, it's fucking awesome. I love that show. I, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. Um, but I didn't watch too much in the way of movies, so I, I'll let you steal the show. This yeah, week. I watched 13 movies since we last Holy met. Fuck. <laughs> I know, I went on a rampage. Oh, wait, I did watch movies. Oh, July you? 4th. I forgot, I watched movies with my family. Oh. Uh, have you ever seen The Manchurian Candidate? No, I have it, but I've never watched it. Which one do you have? Do I you have the Denzel version. Okay. Yeah. I watched the Denzel version. It, I've never seen it? the original. It's great. Something okay. I didn't remember about it, directed by Jonathan Demme. Right. The guy who did Silence of the Lambs. And it's, it fucking shows, like, it's kind of a horror-ish yeah. movie on top of being, like, a Bush-era conspiracy movie. And it's, it's fucking awesome. Like, yeah. Meryl Streep is really good in it. Denzel is, like, killing it. And Lee Schreiber, do you know him at all? Yeah. He, this is, like, my favorite role okay. of his that I've ever seen. It was just... It surprised me just how good it was. Well, I'm glad you brought up the Manchurian Candidate because oh man, um, it reminds me of this movie that I'm actually about to probably rewatch. We've talked about it before, The Parallax mm-hmm. View. I, I have it. I have it on uh, Criterion Collection. Like it's in the same vein as The Parallax View. So if you like The Manchurian Candidate, highly recommend watching The Parallax View. Criterion. So good. So good. I believe that's the Blu-ray too. So if you want to like borrow that and watch it, at some point yeah. you can. Dude, I mean, my subscription to the Criterion Channel ran out. I'm gonna, oh I'm yeah, have to scrounge for scraps yeah, any way yeah. I can. Watching the Parallax View. Yeah, y'all should check out the Parallax View and the Manchurian Candidate because they're both in the same vein. They're the same type of like American conspiracy movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to watch the Manchurian Candidate because when I bought it, I bought it from a thrift store, and these old ladies were like checking us out. And they picked it up, and she was like, oh, Betty, do you remember this movie? This is a scary movie. And she's like, yeah, that's so good, though. It It's perfect, though. Like, it perfectly encapsulates the fear of that conspiracy. I was like, the fuck? These old ladies, like, talking about yeah. it like it's a masterpiece. I was like, okay, cool. They're like, yeah, this is really good. I'm like, dope. And I still haven't watched it, but I need to. It's so. on Netflix. Heck yeah. Oh, it is? Yeah, that, I mean, that's how we watch it. My, my grandparents and I and, and my parents, we were all bored. You know, Night of the Third. And yeah. It's like, there it is. <laughs> Happy birthday, America. <laughs> nice. Um, I think I watched a movie on July 4th as well. Um, I'm not going to... I'll quickly list off the 13 movies that I watched, but yeah, I, I want to yeah. go in-depth about two of them. So, I don't know if I mentioned this on the last podcast episode, because I can't remember if I watched it after or before we recorded, but did I mention In the Heights? No, I don't think you did. I did see your letterbox review yeah. for it, so I was shocked. <laughs> um, in the Heights, I watched that. Um, Donna enjoyed it more than I did. I thought it was still pretty solid. The uh, 
most of the songs are pretty good. I think the the story, the characters were more interesting than the story or the musical numbers. I think. However, there is one musical number towards the end that's really impressive, shot really impressive. It's in the trailers when they're dancing on the building, like on the mm. side of it. That one was really cool. Um, yeah, in the heights. Yeah, pretty cool musical. Ninety six thousand. Ninety six thousand. Um, finished Furious Seven. Uh, the, I watched the the Tomorrow War, the Chris Pratt. Uh, oh, how Amazon. was that? The last thirty minutes were more interesting than the first entire hour and a half. Oh, like God. I just, I mean, the, okay, the a, there's a point in the movie where they mention that like nobody would go back in time or go in the future to fight this war for us if they knew what the aliens looked like. And I was like, oh, that's such a cheesy line. But then I saw what they looked like. I was like, okay, like that's okay. You earned that because the creature design is really fucking cool. Really? Yeah, I really like the creature design in the I, movie. I usually find with these movies that they have to hide the creature design for most of it because when it gets revealed... Yeah, like, it's really yeah, bad. It's, shit. it's like, oh, it's the Demogorgon for yeah. the fucking Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah. No, like, actually, the the budget for this movie is pretty high, actually. Yeah, I mean, they've got Chris Pratt and fucking J.K. Simmons, yeah, like, right off the bat. Right, like, yeah, coming out the gate. It's, yeah, I mean, it was, I wasn't, um, I wasn't bored by it. It's just nothing to write home about, you know? Like, yeah. it's just a fun popcorn movie, honestly. Like, um, I watched Guns of Chemo, the... Oh, the, 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 like... Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah, that's it's just really funny. It's just a good time. Yeah, lots of lots of violence. Cool. Um, the Belco experiment finally got around to that. Oh, I've been meaning to watch that for it's a while. Pretty good, like standard. You know, picking off the people one by one kind of thing. It's 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 entertaining. I'll give yeah. it that. I like that. Um, Lights out. Uh, I you said you commented on my review. Said the short was you thought the short was better. I agree. The mm-hmm. short. I think I like the short better. Um, Lights Out, it's just kind of the one of the more original uh, horror movies, one of the January horror movies that actually turned out to be pretty damn good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that director is just yeah. really solid, David F. Uh, Sandberg. Sandberg. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and yeah, I've been following his like YouTube channel for a while, and when he blew up with Lights Out, I was like, oh, great. And then he just kept making bangers. Like, yeah. The, he made like the one good Annabelle movie. I yeah, Annabelle say. Creation. And then Shazam is... <laughs> really yeah yeah he's just i don't know he's a really cool example of youtubers making it i mean even across the sea yeah yeah he's yeah he's really talented i think um the the way he directs horror is really good like on par with like you know james wan and um what's the haunting of hill house dude mike flanagan i think they're all on the same par with like how they they know how first they know how to do jump scares and they know how to frame horror like just really well um, so yeah, Lights Out was, it was pretty solid, just a little goofy at some points. Yeah, for sure. Um, then I watched Luca, which I'm kind of on the side that this Pixar movie is really fucking good. Mm. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, I think, more than Onward and On Par with Soul, I think. Um, I would, I really, really, really liked Luca, actually. It's, it's very gay, which I like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, Without being explicitly gay, or is I, I think it's gayness? honestly pretty. Ex- well, no, they don't ever flat out like you know kiss or anything, you know, like show their true love. But like, it's so very obviously gay. Like, I don't know what like what more they could have done to like scream that this entire movie is an allegory for coming out. Like, well, well maybe like have them be gay. You know, well, so no, that I know. you can't just like translate and edit around it for the Chinese <laughs> cut. I mean. 
True, I don't know, true. It's not that hard to just have your characters like be openly gay and kiss. I mean, you, yeah. you get a kiss in most every other like Disney movie. I don't know. Maybe it's because they're little boys and people would freak out and be like, yeah. oh. But I don't know. It just, I, don't know. I, I feel like you go all out on that or you don't. But I, I guess it's respectful as yeah. an allegory. Anyway. Yeah, I mean... I haven't seen it, so I, I have no room. Well, there's there's so many comparisons between it and Call Me By Your Name. Like, of course, Italy. Yeah, boys, basically the same plot. Sea creatures. <laughs> no, but I, I liked it, though. Like, yeah, it would have been better if, if, if Disney would or Pixar would have just made, like, an openly gay character. But, like, you know, this is, like, pretty out, like, far. Like, literally the only thing they would have had to seal the deal... You know, to just actually is have them like kiss. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just that like in your face there. Um, okay. But I mean, I just, I loved it. I thought it was great. It's good message and everything, um, and really cute. And then um, raw. Raw. Oh, I've heard about raw. I've been raw. wanting to see it for a while. You should. You really fucking should. This movie is like nearly perfect. I fucking love this movie. So good. Uh, actress, the acting from all everybody in this film is fucking incredible. Um, yeah, I just I, I won't even tell you what it's about, like the viewers, like just just go go fucking watch Raw. Um, it's a it's a French film, um, so beware of subtitles, I guess, if you're that kind of person. But <laughs> honestly, it's uh, I don't care. Like it's so fucking good. Um, can't gush about that enough. Um, and then I watch Creep. Um, oh yeah, the 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 the. The found footage yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, best found footage movie I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Well, besides Blair Witch, like, they just do, like, found footage movies today, like, the more I watch them, the more fucking annoyed I get with just, mm. like, that style. But Creep, the camera was never shaky. It was always, it was very stable. It was always framed really well. Um, and the characters were actually interesting. To like watch, like the 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 antagonist, the creep himself, yeah. was really good, like really interesting. I don't know, I liked it. I see a lot of people don't like it, but I thought for a found footage movie, um, you know, coming in at a tight hour and twenty five minutes, it's perfect at doing that. I I think my problem with Creep, the original one, is like the the people making it are way smarter than to just have this like very run of the mill or it felt very steeped and cliche. And I would have been dismissive of the whole Creep like franchise if I hadn't watched Creep 2, which I mm. think is an incredible continuation of the story and defies yeah. a lot of tropes. And it's actually very funny really? as a movie. So I think if you like Creep 1 at all, and if you think it's like the best found footage movie, uh, I mean, found footage horror movie you've mm-hmm. seen, like, go watch Creep 2. Okay, yeah, honestly, I'll definitely. I, I thought it was better in every in every way, and it made me kind of look back on the first movie and go, like, well, shit. I mean, if, yeah. they, if they had this in them, like, it makes me want to Creep 3, yeah. to be honest. You right. Know? Okay, well, I'll definitely watch Creep 2 then. I was kind of wary about watching it because, you know, it's a sequel, like horror sequel. Oh, know? my God. From the, like, first five minutes, you'll realize, like, oh, they, they didn't just, like, pull out like a half-assed sequel like it really yeah. seems like they took any criticism from the first movie and they and they ran with it like i was genuinely surprised by how much i liked creep 2 awesome well I'll, I'll definitely give it a watch then because i def i thoroughly enjoyed creep 1 like really really liked it um this next one i couldn't give a star rating because i'm still conflicted about it but i did i like it uh, it's the invitation 
Um, mm. It's on Netflix. It's leaving Netflix, actually. Actually, it's already gone. Um, it left oh. the 7th. Um, bye. But yeah, bye. Um, it's, it's a movie about uh, a guy who goes to a dinner party with his friends after not seeing them for years. And his ex-wife is now married to another dude. Uh, and they have lost their son. Their son had like been killed at like when he was like five. So this dude's like processing grief and trauma. And at this dinner party, he thinks that everything's something sinister is like you know up to, um, you know up. And all the characters are trying to convince him otherwise. Um, and yeah, it just goes from there. Um, really, really liked it. It's really well directed. All the cast. It's very. It's like a mix of mumblecore with horror like just the dialogue is just very um fluid and very you know just really well like it doesn't the immersion is never broken like you feel like all these people are actually friends um and just i don't know the dialogue's just really well done well written and stuff um but just it's something about the ending that that throws me off so i I invite everybody to give it a try and see what you think about it because it's really well directed Mm. i'll give it that um and then watch Hardcore Henry. That's really fucking fun. I almost watched that over the break. I, I, you got I'm, to, man. I'm kind of kicking myself now. <laughs> you, but, uh, you got to. It's on Netflix. Um, it looks so much fun. It's so fucking fun. Um, they actually do a lot of like video game references. Like there's a really? there's a straight up Call of Duty reference in there uh, oh. to like how like you know because it's in the first person POV. They do some really fun stuff with it, and I thought it was the best video game adaptation that we've ever gotten. Like, even though it's not a video game, it's it's just really well done. I mean, I, the, the director said he made it to be a first-person shooter, yeah. essentially, which is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. and there's that, de- it, it, it works like video game progression. Like, there's different, like, levels, like, different, like, maps and stuff, gotcha. sort of. Like bosses. Yeah, yeah. It's really, yeah. really, really cool. I liked it. And the story is actually not half bad. Like, the story is engaging, too. Um, so I liked Hardcore Henry. Um... And then last one before we get into our big one, uh, the platform. The platform. Oh, that's the one where it's the prison, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. The food. Surprisingly, way better than I expected. Okay. Um, really, really well done. The acting is great. The metaphor is obviously stretched. You know, it's an hour and forty minute movie, so it's like okay, we get it. But it's not subtle at all, which I think actually I like that about it because mm. it allows them to do a lot of like really visceral, violent things like with the metaphor of like the platform going down and down. And like the just the um, I mean, you watch like 10 minutes of it. You're like, OK, I get it. Like, where are we going to go from here? But it just keeps giving you information about like the world that you're in and everything. And it's really well done. It's never boring. The dialogue super solid. Do not watch it dubbed. It. When you watch it on Netflix, it will start as dubbed, and the dub is fucking horrible. I turned it off after two minutes. Um, just watch it in the original Spanish language with subtitles. You'll thank me later. I God, hate, Jesus, I please. I hate dubs for, I, like, live-action movies. Like, I can so stand bad. it in animation, but, like, no. I just... No. Fuck that. When, when people's mouths are moving, yeah. and it doesn't, like, at, match up at all. Yeah, like, no. It's... Terrible. They they picked horrible voiceover actors for the dubs as well. Like, well, it's because I, I don't think, like, those dubs get any, like, fucking budget, you know? It's not like mm-hmm. they're getting big names to, like, dub over these foreign movies. Yeah. They're, they're pretty quickly made to appease yeah. audiences who just don't want to read fucking mm-hmm. subtitles, which is yeah. ridiculous pretty, yeah. to me that that's a hurdle for some people. God. Just, it's just so... I mean, insert Bong Joon-ho Oscar quote here. Like, yeah. Come on. 
No, the platform's really good, though. I, I highly recommend watching it. Like, um, just a really good, solid horror thriller kind of thing. Um, a lot grosser than I thought it was going to be. I'll definitely check but, it out. But, yeah, definitely check the platform out. So. Ooh. Um, I just remembered another movie and another show I want to bring up. Is that okay? Before? Yeah, let's okay, go. Okay, so do you like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movies at all? Yeah, I actually do. I like them a lot. Yeah, like... I rewatched the first one oh, over, yeah. over the break, and um, I mean, I haven't seen it since I like became a full-on like Trekkie, Trekkie. you know, watching mm-hmm. the TV shows. Holds up. Like, honestly, people say shit on it all the time and say, you know, it betrays the tone of the franchise, you know, it's like a cop-out, it's, mm-hmm. it's like too sci-fi, and J.J. Abrams isn't even a Trekkie. But like, this is clearly like a labor of love for, yeah. for Star Trek. Like, it's something to give... The, fan, the old fans, something that they'll enjoy and some sci-fi concepts that they might like. And it's a way to introduce this franchise to a generation of people who've never seen it. And honestly, I don't think with without this movie and without this trilogy of Star mm-hmm. Trek movies that I would have ever gotten into like the shows. Because yeah. they just seem too boring like yeah. on the outside. And, and I mean, I guess compared to this movie, they are, but... You know, that's the thing, is it takes what's really great, that human element of the television series, mm-hmm. and, and it puts it on screen. Like, I, I think it's great. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it definitely introduced me into Star Trek. Like, I I didn't want to watch Star Trek, really, like, as a kid, but then the, the you know, the J.J. Abrams one mm-hmm. came out, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll watch this and see if I want to... And then I ended up watching, uh, like, two or three of the old Star Trek movies. Mm. Um, I never got around to watching the shows, but, like... Obviously, I dug into the lore and stuff, and I know yeah. about Star Trek now, and I really enjoyed the second Star Trek and even the third Star Trek. I know a lot of people really just vehemently hate all three of them, but like I think they're fun sci-fi movies that um, just basically just, I don't know, it's just obviously the people making them love Star Trek because yeah. there's good Star Trek references, and, and I don't know, like I like the J.J. Abrams trilogy. I really do, and I, think- I like the old ones too. People just get, like, too hung up on, like, yeah. Into Darkness, especially, mm-hmm. like, how it ends. And it's, like, Into Darkness is a pretty solid movie up until yeah. its last 30 minutes. And, I mean, mm-hmm. even then, it's not, like, horrible. It's just kind of lazy. Yeah. You know, more than anything. They kind of retread the ba- yeah. the ground of the original Wrath of Khan movie mm-hmm. a lot. And, um, that, and that's, like, J.J. Abrams' like main crime is, like, he doesn't seem to do well in his own original storytelling. Yeah. He really likes those callbacks. I mean, something that interested me about reading the trivia page for this movie is apparently he sat down with George Lucas while it was in pre-production, or I mean, while it was in production, and he was like, what can I do to make the movie better? And George Lucas was like, uh, maybe add some more lightsabers to it. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, I mean, J.J. Abrams, as we know, famously went on to direct Force Awakens. I can't wait for it to get a sequel. Like to be honest. Yeah, like, honestly, I can't wait for it's been like, years whatever now. This trilogy yeah. is going to be with Star Wars. Like I really wish they would hurry up and make the next one. I know. I mean, it's been six years. Luke handing that lightsaber yeah. towards Rey. I mean, I wonder what happens after that. Yeah, I don't know. Finally. We are, wow, it's crazy that that's one of the biggest franchises ever. We still haven't got a sequel yet. Yeah, big big cliffhanger. Big, big. cliffhanger. Um, haunts me haunts my dreams okay but then the show I want to talk about okay. is actually a YouTube series uh, it's called The The Wondrous and, and Gay Life of Caleb Gallo have you heard of it? I ever? have never heard of this okay it is um, a show that was made by, by grad students 
uh, like crowdfunded and everything. Gotcha. And it is so fucking good. Like I could not believe the quality of this show. Um, it's very like positive for the LGBTQ community. Um, and it's funny and the actors like genuinely kill it. Like I was watching the show and I was like, how are these actors like not in other things? Yeah. It just took me by surprise because usually you see like grad student shit put on YouTube and it's like, Oh, I can tell this was like yeah. for the class or something, but this is just genuinely great entertainment. And like, honestly, I hope that everyone who is involved with it like blew up and it kind of inspires me to think like people like on the ground mm-hmm. level can like make stuff this good. Like, yeah, truly, it, it's so good. I, I I can't recommend it enough. Just just quick rep right there. Nice. I'll check it out. What's it on? It's on YouTube. YouTube? It's just yeah, the wondrous and gay life of Caleb Gallup. Okay, I'll check it out because I like I like student like projects that are, mm-hmm. have like are high quality. I like watching that stuff. So so sorry for slurping my straw. <laughs> I just slurping slurping. Um. Well, um, we have a topic today, uh, but real quick, we should probably talk about the big one. And also, the I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, we're recording this before the fourth episode of Rick and Morty comes out. Yeah. But we've we've seen the third one, right? Did you yeah, see the third yeah, Planetina. Yeah, it's just real quick, real quick thoughts on, yeah. on that episode. Um, I like it. It's probably my least favorite of the season so far, which isn't because of the A storyline, which I think is pretty good with mm-hmm. Planetina. I just yeah. thought, like... This was the first one of the season where they didn't have a really good B plot like yeah. lined up. It was just kind of, eh. Yeah. You know. And, I, yeah. I really, I really liked the Planetina. I agree with you. The Planetina storyline, I really liked. I liked how it ended and everything. Um, the 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 B plot with Rick, it's just, it's not good. Like it's, I just was bored by it. You know. I there's something weird about Rick and Morty where you can tell when they feel like they've neglected a character too long and they fucked up character development. Like, Mm. they're going to try and get it right. Like, it started with Jessica at the start of the season. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Jessica's always been kind of a joke of a character until last season. Right. Um, But I like what they did with her. Um, But I feel now, like, the writers are turning towards Summer because even though they've tried to give her development a lot of times, like, they still have you know, a long way to go in giving her, like, equal screen time to everyone else. And I felt like this was kind of a bizarre episode for that. Like, I mean, I like the Rick and Summer, like, team-up. Yeah. Just, I I don't want to spoil too much from the episode, but I guess, like, random, like, sex orgies with aliens was the direction we were going with it. Like, we already get that Rick doesn't care about people, like, you know, lesson to be learned there or whatever. We already get, like that summer is like cool and edgy too like mm-hmm. i don't know explore a new depth in their relationship not yeah. retread all this stuff and and it was interesting because half the episode was seeing new character stuff like you know beth caring about morty mm-hmm. when she's usually been kind of like an absent mother and like morty getting his fucking heart broken mm-hmm. like cool shit right yeah cool shit i just I wish that was for everyone. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree. I agree. I like the I like the Morty character development and everything, and I I was excited to see that Summer was gonna go on an adventure with Rick, but it, it didn't really go anywhere. Yeah, um, which disappoints me because I like I like Summer's character and I'd like to see her develop more, but just I, I feel like they're just kind of like, I don't know, like uh, I don't know something about it. They just haven't quite got their you know. Yeah, it, and it feels. 
I feel bad for her a lot of the times because, like, you know, Jerry and Beth will get a lot of storylines and, um, you know, Rick and Morty will mm-hmm. get a lot of storylines, but it feels like Summer usually gets left out or just yeah. thrown into one or the other without right. much thought. And it, I think I think the best Summer episode was the one where they were in the post-apocalypse a post-apocalypse and she like goes in the ring she starts fighting and she yeah. marries that guy like that's the best summer episode i want that's more of that one. stuff so yeah agree um do we really we really quick want to talk about our big one we're gonna or talk loki too uh oh yeah 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 we'll, we'll just go over both of them then um yeah. we we want to do a spoiler review of loki and black widow next week mm-hmm. for now we're going to do non-spoiler black widow and we're going to talk about the newest episode from loki non-spoiler as well still, yeah. um so let's get into loki real quick um i like i liked episode five i thought it was solid i think i think it might be my favorite episode of the season awesome to be honest yeah awesome. like i mean you you kind of felt that with last week's episode mm-hmm. And I felt like this one really delivered on, like, the creativity and, like, wackiness that the show's been building to. Like, I don't know, I just, something about this particular Loki episode finally made me realize, like, this show's just really solid throughout. Like, I I think unless they really bungle the ending, Mm -hmm. like, we're, we're in the clear. I think this might be the first, like, Marvel show to follow through with its promises and, you know, not just become set up. Yeah. Hell. Yeah. Know? I mean, I might stand corrected next week. Hopefully. I'm praying that God. you're not. Like, I Well, I, I feel like there's still lots of room to make this like, uh, you know, oh shit, we'll tie it up in the movies kind yeah. of show, which would really piss me off because I do feel like there's potential to end the stories that yeah. we set up in a satisfying way in this series. Yeah. You know? Well, and they've kind of done that. They kind of closed out... What they do is they leave little things open. So, like, with mm-hmm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we got our entire storyline wrapped up there, but there's little threads. Yeah. Same with WandaVision, mostly. It's, like, it's mostly wrapped up. And I feel like Loki, I feel like they will pretty much wrap it up except for one little thread. And I'm really excited because um, the cliffhanger to the last week's episode was really good. Um, I'm really interested to see, like, you know, like, just how it how it all ends. Um, and I really appreciate that... Loki, I was talking about this with Jacob and Luke, actually. The writers of Loki um, don't think that the audience is stupid. Like, yeah. They really, like, they don't have to explain anything. Like, I saw this on Twitter. Somebody mentioned, like, I absolutely love the fact that not one joke, not one piece of information was given about uh, classic Loki's costume. It was just yeah. there, and we just all knew, you know? And we don't have to explain that shit. And I'm like, yes, that's what I loved about all the Lokis in the episode, there wasn't a backstory on every single one of them. It was just, we get that, you know, this is this is the place where the Lokis are. And, and it's just really good. It's really, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, I just realized that wasn't a spoiler, so never mind. Classic Lokis in the trailer. But, yeah. yeah. Classic Lokis in episode five. And it's, um, yeah, it's just really good. I really like this episode. And I'm, I'm hoping that they tie it all together in the last episode. And yeah, so far it's been my favorite MCU show. Yeah, by far. Three. Yeah. By, by mile for me. Yeah. Um, I, I guess then we can talk spoiler free on Black Widow. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Okay, so I do not feel that Black Widow should have been in phase four. No. Definitely a phase three movie for me. At least phase three. Maybe phase two. Now, doesn't mean it was bad. I actually really enjoyed Black Widow. Um, it was... I think I liked it 
a little bit more than I expected to like it, which yeah. is weird because I expected not to like it as much as I thought I would. Ended up liking it a bit more than I thought I did or thought I would. Um, really, really good like mo- like motifs and like uh, you know um, about like dysfunctional families mm-hmm. and like just you know. Uh, childhood trauma and stuff like that. Just little like things underneath that I thought were actually pretty well explored in the given that it's an MCU movie. I was like, okay. And there was a lot of emotional moments in the movie that I was like, oh, this is super fucking good. All the characters felt super real to me. Really well written, I think, for the most part. Um, the villains, eh, you know, they're there. <laughs> like, it's for for a standalone Black Widow movie in the fourth phase of the MCU when it should have been in the second. We could have had a lot worse. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. We could have had a lot worse. But yeah, I thought it was super solid. I thought it, I liked it. I gave it three and a half stars. I think is what I gave it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think though? I I went in expecting to not like it. Like really low expectations, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised that there seems to actually be a quite a bit of effort put into this. Like, yeah, I thought. My main reasoning for thinking I wasn't going to like it is, like, they, they have not treated this character with respect in recent years. Yeah. Like, you know, like, th- she should have had a movie after she was introduced in Iron Man 2. Like, yeah. Aside yeah. from, like, uh, the Hulk, you know. Yeah. Natasha Romanoff is one of the oldest characters in the MCU. Yeah. She's been around forever. Mm-hmm. And it just, it baffled me that it took this long for her to get a fucking movie. Yeah. Um... But it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, like, clearly we had plenty to do with this mm-hmm. character and plenty of ideas. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, like you said, Phase 4 is just a ridiculous time for it to be happening. Like, and especially, I don't feel like this is a spoiler, but, like, the movie is set, you know, like, around Phase 3. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, if you had just released it after, like, you know, one of those movies, it yeah. would have fit in much better. Yeah, definitely. And, and, like, also given her some really great development before, like, her character fucking dies. dies you know? yeah. And that's an Endgame spoiler, not a Black Widow spoiler. So yeah. you, you should have been caught up on that. I mean, come on. It's the it's, highest grossing movie of all time. Get everybody, everybody's seen it. Cool. Um, but, yeah, like, I just... I'm so floored. Like the cast is great. It's it's got a good balance of like comedy and um, oh god, it's so action. fucking funny. Like I, I, it's so funny. The trailers kind of made it look like cringe. I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but in the movie it works. It, like I think Florence Pugh is oh, incredible, phenomenal uh, as yeah. always. I I hope they do more with her. David Harbour was really good. Rachel Wise like kind of surprised yes. me. And honestly, I know you said the villains were eh, mm-hmm. but. I feel like they're stronger than your standard yeah. Marvel fare. And mm-hmm. I mean, they, they even have like, you know, a primary antagonist and a secondary antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of like what Ant-Man and Wasp did. And I liked both of them. Like, they yeah. were intimidating in their own ways. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to see that. Um, a lot of people going into this movie don't like Taskmaster's, like, costume design or whatever. I thought Taskmaster was pretty cool. Like, parts yeah. of this movie felt Terminator-ish. Yeah. With... with uh, that character in particular, and I, I thought that was cool. It, it wasn't for very long, but mm-hmm. it was it was cool while it lasted. Um, yeah, I don't know. Spoiler free, I liked it. Um, would recommend, and we'll get into the nitty gritty next yeah. week. I'll just say the only part I really groaned at was like this edgy cover of, of "Smells Like, like Teen, Teen Spirit. Spirit" at the start. It was just I, like, Ugh. when it started, I thought, "Dang!" Like this song really sets the mood. And then I remembered, and I started listening to the lyrics, and I was like, "Oh my god." This is smells like teens. What? 
Yeah, really yeah, yeah. weird, bad choice there. Um, I will say, though, the action, the fighting, like the stylized fighting in this movie. Fucking visceral. Fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right, visceral. Like, off rip, you know, when we get introduced with how the fighting is going to go down, it's brutal. I was like, mm-hmm. shit, bro. Like, yes, this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted for this movie. And they, and they deliver on that, um, which I thought was really fucking cool that they would do that. Um Definitely, in my review, I said it's like the James Bond of the MCU, um, or the Jason Bourne. Yeah, like. I feel I feel it's more Bourne. akin to Jason yeah. Bourne. Yeah, but the editing is way better in Black Widow than it is in Jason Bourne. Oh I'll yeah, say that the you can, you can actually, actually tell see what the fuck's going, what's on. going on. Yeah, but yeah, dude, I yeah, Black Widow's solid. Please go see it. We'll definitely get into uh, spoiler territory next week because there is a lot to talk about, especially with the post credit scene, which I thought was really cool as well yeah um so yeah i'm pleasantly surprised i'm glad you liked it too because i was like i hope he likes this because i really 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 i was this. surprised yeah by how much i like that i think it it's probably better than far from home oh, or anything yeah. like you know before Endgame. yeah you know, like better than captain marvel that's the only thing is like switch when Captain Marvel and Black Widow yeah. got released, like, come on, you know, do listen, do something. <laughs> listen, I, I, this is coming from like a male here, but like from like, I take the, like you, you don't have to listen to me, but in my opinion, I think that Black Widow does a lot better job with its feminist themes than Captain Marvel did, because mm. Black Widow, I, it's, it's, I'll have to get into it next week because it's a spoiler, but there is a very like feminist, um. Me- I don't want to say message, but like undertone in the movie. If you- it's kind of hidden though, whereas Captain Marvel's was like n- not subtle at all. Black Widow's is subtle, I think, and I think it's done better though. Well, I mm, I think the, the the thing with like Captain Marvel is like you can be blunt about these things, but you like, can yeah. I, yeah, there is something sloppy about the mm-hmm. way they did it, where it just it almost undermines like the issue like and also yeah. takes away the staying power of the character in her own movie like yeah like it's no surprise that a lot of people apparently ended up liking like samuel L. jackson and captain marvel a bit more than they like yeah. captain marvel which is crazy yeah because i mean captain marvel shows up in endgame and i, I kind of liked her again i i, I think yeah. those writers and directors for the original captain marvel just weren't doing the character justice yeah and i don't know like i i also do think that there was a bit of online like backlash before the movie yeah. came out that that really interfered with it i don't i don't know captain marvel is a complex uh beast to dissect, yeah you know we'll have a whole what, episode what dissect episode yeah um but yeah let's uh let's get into our little mini topic for today um yeah. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this. Topic. I propose that we talk about like adaptations. I was I was thinking, you know, a lot about how um, you know, when books are adapted into the movies, like, you know, sometimes it goes really well. Yeah. Sometimes people say the movie's better than the book. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, people are like, What the fuck were they thinking? Yeah. What, what the shit? Yeah, the what fuck the is shit? This shit? Yeah. Um, um so we had some Twitter responses from y'all. Yeah, yeah, we'll let's get go into. through those first. Yeah, so actually, one of my top picks is actually uh, Jacob. Uh, yeah. Jacob Kolb. It's on the podcast a couple episodes ago. He put forth, uh, I'll just read off his tweet real quick. It says, I think Jurassic Park is such an interesting adaptation because the movie is what the author Michael Crichton originally wanted to write for the novel, but the publisher thought no one would read it, so he had to rewrite the novel to be much more darker and grittier. And I can... 
uh, confirm this because I have read the book. The book is very fucking dark. It's very, mm. very gritty. Um, the novel is very visceral with almost an alien feel to it, including a part where they destroy a huge hidden raptor nest on the island. After the novel released, it was a huge hit. Spielberg worked with Crichton for the adaptation, so he got to tell the original story after all. And then he goes on to say, bonus, when the Jurassic World films were in pre-production, a lot of the ideas for those films came from plot points, set pieces, ideas, and themes from the Jurassic Park novel and its sequel, The Lost World, that were left unused in their respective films. Jurassic Park 3 is the only film in the franchise that doesn't take any inspiration from the novels. Yeah, I I will say Jacob Kolb is about the only person that can make me respect Jurassic World in any <laughs> capacity. Like, yeah. I, I hate those movies a lot, but when I talk to Jacob, he's always got something interesting to say yeah. about them, and I, and I appreciate that perspective. But yeah, I, I've always heard, you know, people, including Michael Crichton, mm-hmm. like Jurassic Park more than the, the source material. And yeah. It's just like a, a bit of that majesty and mm-hmm. that... that um, whimsy to yeah. it, you know like even though there is dinosaur murder yeah it's also like wow life is beautiful and right <laughs> yeah it's it's weird i i mean if you know me jurassic park's one of my favorite movies of all all fucking time one of my favorites top five um and yeah it's a solid adaptation because i i read the book and the general gist of the book is still there in the movie with like technology being really what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, they take all the right parts from the book into the movie and change the movie up to where like the things in the book, if they were in the movie, the movie would not be as popular as it is today. Like mark my fucking words, but they do like really well with just, you know, translating that. I don't know if it's Spielberg or if it's Spielberg and Crichton together, um, both are geniuses in my opinion. Like Jurassic Park, solid adaptation. I agree. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. It's great, great one. Um, we've got another one in that thread. Um, mm-hmm. If you consider Clue the movie an yes. adaptation of Clue the board game, then that's the one. Um, this came came from Tetris Queen Kennedy. Um, I I really enjoyed Clue. I, I saw yeah. it for the first time this year. I just. Yeah, this is what is great about an adaptation is mm-hmm. like you can take like the most fundamental elements of your source material and really get creative with it. Yeah. Like this is a, a, a mind bending movie. Mm-hmm. It's so much fun. It's really fucking funny. Yeah. Like, it surprises me you could do mm-hmm. something like this with the board game yeah. of Clue, which I don't even like playing all that much. Right. Can I just be honest? Clue is like a C tier board game. <laughs> Like, fuck. <laughs> it's it's, it's B tier for me. I enjoy Clue sometimes. Clue, Clue can be fun. Yeah. I will say the movie Clue is very... Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, no. if, if a Clue movie was made today, it would be so fucking serious and yeah. dark and down. It'd be stupid. Robert Downey Jr. Is yeah. Colonel Buster. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. That's not it. <laughs> but, like, the, uh, this was 1980s, right? When, yeah, the, 1985, yeah. 1980s, I want to say. 1980s Clue is fucking royalty, dude. This movie is so campy, so funny. It's really just... I don't know it's cute i don't know but it's really well done like yeah it's a great adaptation from mm. a fucking board game like really cool really cool i like clue clues clue slaps clue does slap um we so maybe we'll just do all the saxons at the same time oh yeah so, here we go so uh from ashton i think <laughs> yeah uh we have the last picture show which was ah uh, shit i should have looked up how to say these names Directed by Bogdanovich. 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 Oh, I think that's correct. Book by Larry McMurdy. Yes. Uh, 
she did her thesis film on this and its portrayal of women in small town south. Uh, Polly Platt, uh, the, the wife of the director uh, and the uncredited mastermind behind the film, actually suggested the book to Bogdanovich. So I don't know much about this movie, but um, apparently about uh, maybe about women uh, in the South <laughs> might be a very feminist picture. Yeah. I, I, I'm interested to check it out. Like, I, I, th- I feel like Ashton, when, when she responds to our tweets... I usually feel like, oh shit, like the academia. Oh no, <laughs> yeah. I'm not qualified to talk about <laughs> movies for as long as we do on this yeah. podcast. Because I, you know, as as much knowledge as I think I have about like pop culture movies, I mean, a tweet like this comes along, and I'm like, oh my god, I have, <laughs> I have no educational background in this shit. <laughs> Um, I, I know a little bit about, um, I've heard of the last picture show. It's on my watch list on Letterboxd, I believe, but, um, the Larry McMurdy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I can see why this would be a good adaptation because Larry McMurdy is also the author of Lonesome Dove and Lonesome Dove is a miniseries that apparently, first of all, it's just really fucking good. It's one of my favorite miniseries of all times. Okay. But the book and the movie fucking identical like really literal dialogue just ripped straight from the book so there's something about adapting larry mcmurdy that just works so i don't fucking doubt that the last picture show is a great adaptation because larry mcmurdy's an amazing writer and lonesome dove is an amazing adaptation of that fucking 800 page book um so yeah like i definitely am interested to watch the last picture show um because uh Murdy's a genius, and if if it's as good as an adaptation as Lonesome Dove is, yeah, I don't doubt. Um, also, drop the link to your thesis uh, paper. I love reading <laughs> fucking yeah. essays on films, so I'm I'm excited about that. I've been I've been trying to do it more in the written form. I'm I, I'm good at watching video essays. But <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot something about sitting down and reading about film. It, it's just hard for me. It's like right. I need some visuals. Show me some <laughs> clips from the picture show. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that. Uh, and then uh, we have a lot of replies from Saxon, which I, I'm enthusiastic about all of them. Let's let's do it. So so first of all, in in his first tweet, he mentions um, David Fincher has fantastic adaptations, which I have to agree. I was actually yep. going to bring up like Fight Club and Gone Girl mm-hmm. as two of my favorite book, and even Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. All of the listed ones in this tweet are fantastic. Um, yeah, and I think the author of Fight Club thinks Fincher's movie is better than his original book. Um, and then Gillian Flynn actually thinks that uh, Gone Girl, the movie, is superior to the book, which I read the book for Gone Girl for the first time this year, and I've got to say, Fincher picked out the best elements to adapt. And also, by having the original author on board with the movie, I'm just, like, blown away mm-hmm. by, like, how how faithful it is mm-hmm. to that source material. The the only thing that it's missing is like a few like subplots that help with character development. But I think that Gone Girl as a movie is so good that like you don't need those subplots anymore because you get everything you can with the characters and the way they're acting and like yeah. the, the the plot lines that do remain in the movie are just fucking solid and tight. Yeah. I that's the thing about Fincher that I like is that he you know, he can make it tight and compressed, but it's efficient, you know? Yeah. You get all the story you need. And, I mean, it's the same with The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's like a 600-page book. Oh, One yeah. One of my favorite uh, 
mystery murder I mean murder mystery novels um fantastic fucking adaptation I, I think the Love. only crime there is that he didn't get to do the, the, next the two. series Shit. yeah <laughs> my bad um, I was passionate about it. God yeah, it. I was. I, I haven't read the books, but I, I read I read up on the books. Like mm-hmm. I read some like plot synopsis and stuff, and then I watched the girl with the dragon tattoo movie, and I was like, holy fucking shit! I was like, immediately looked up. I was like, is Fincher doing a sequel? I was like, no. I'm like, man, yeah. fuck this, man. We have the Swedish. Uh, we have the Swedish series. Yeah, if we really want, but from what I've seen, like Fincher's first movie just like outdid like mm-hmm. the the swedish first movie like by so much it makes me not want to watch yeah the, the other two i don't know i might though i'm a big fan of the books um and then saxon brings up little women little women uh both the 1994 and the 2019 version i i think the 2019 version's a masterpiece i've never read yeah. little women the novel or seen the 1994 version but i hear that this time mm-hmm. rearrangement in the 2019 one is unique to that adaptation. Yeah. I think it's fucking brilliant. I think it I is too. I, I Donna bought Little Women. She's reading it, right? I'm not sure how far she is into it, but she was reading it heavily for a while, and she really liked the book, and she thought that the, the new version was really faithful to the book mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways. Like, obviously, there's some differences and stuff, um, but... From and from what I've heard from other people that have read the book, like Ger- Ger- Gerwig's version is just an absolute like masterclass on how to adapt like source material. So, and I also really fucking love Little Women, the 2019 version. I still need to watch the 94 version, um, but uh, yeah, I'm interested to watch the 94 version though because I really like those characters and the story. So hell yeah, yeah. Um, then we've got Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Hell yeah. Which, uh, you know, I've, I've always met people who are like, well, if you read the comics, actually, you'd see how so much better they are. I don't know that they would be like, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure like maybe some storylines get like a more like effective wrap up in the comics, but I feel like visually what he does with that movie, you know, the, the flair, the, the style, the, the quick comedy, like you can't get that experience Mm -hmm. reading the comic books. So I feel like this is probably the most efficient like adaptation of like a comic book that you could have in that way because it's just it feels action packed and, and, and yeah. like panel to panel almost. Yeah. Even though it's not going for that vibe, like, you know, how like Sin City mm. or something might I mean, just so fucking good. I yeah. love I love Scott Pilgrim. Um, it's good. It's good. And then we've got our Charlie Kaufman picks from Saxon. I'm thinking of ending things. I need to um, actually watch the rest of it. I actually need to watch. I'm thinking of ending things. I haven't seen it yet. Um, Apparently that diverges a lot from the book, but uh, still quite good according to Saxon. And then Adaptation, which I have not seen. I need to see really badly. I have watched Adaptation. It's been a while. I have a BFI book, or is this BFI? It's uh, no, it's not BFI, but it's a film theory and practice book um, nar- about narrative theory and adaptation. Mm. Uh, Luke read that. Luke did his thesis essay on adaptation for uh, his film theory course. Really? Yes. This this adaptation is like layers and layers and layers of interesting shit. Like the whole movie is like from the get go. It's it's meta of the meta, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, there's so many layers to adaptation. Uh, Saxon, adaptation is just a great movie about adaptations. Like, you can't talk about adaptations without talking about Nicolas Cage and adaptation. Like, 
really fucking good. I've read a little bit of that book. It's some really interesting stuff in there. Um, but yeah, adaptation is definitely one of my top picks as well. That's just, it's, it's weird to call it an adaptation though, because it's so fucking meta and how it like, and even in the credits, like you still like, don't know what the fuck is going on. Um, really interesting movie though. I recommend everybody watch adaptation. If you like Nicolas Cage, can I steal this book? Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to have to go and watch adaptation and read this. Yes. I I just, I'm sold. Um, I'm taking a lot. Uh, something you're not seeing because this is an audio uh, form of media is I am slowly stealing things from Casey's office. I've got his Criterion collection of Parallax View, and now I've got narrative theory and adaptation. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I would I would say maybe we should get into some of our favorite adaptations yeah. and some of our least favorites. Uh, I'm going to jump off of Saxon real quick and say another one of my favorite adaptations is is of a play, actually, and it's by oh. Charlie Kaufman. It's Anonalisa. Um, okay. And this was originally, like, a, a very minimalist stage play, like Jennifer Jason Lee and... Oh, shit, I don't remember the other guy's name. Uh, and Tom Noonan. They were all just sitting in chairs and talking across the stage to each other. Um, and basically, the premise of the movie and the play is that um, the main character, Michael Stone, is very... Um, narcissistic and everyone in the world sounds like the exact same person which is played by Tom Noonan Mm -hmm. and so everyone's voice is the exact same to him like music he listens to is the same voice and then he meets a woman who doesn't have that voice um, or face in in terms of the movie and he falls in love uh, and some more stuff happens it's really interesting it's a great stop-motion movie but on top of that, it apparently was a very interesting stage play, and it's not one Charlie Kaufman thought he was going to adapt, but then, um, oh, shit, I don't remember his name, but this, uh, one of Dan Harmon's frequent collaborators has a stop-motion uh, mm-hmm. studio, approached Kaufman and was like, let's put this into stop-motion, and, and Kaufman was like, sure, why not? And it absolutely works. Like, even though it's a minimalist stage play, like, the dialogue and the scenes... And the concept itself really lends itself to film and especially animation. And I and I really love the creative ways that they were able to bring those storylines to the movie. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. I don't want to spoil anything about it, but I just have to say, like, if you like anything by Charlie Kaufman, just trust me. It's yeah. really fucking good. It's really weird, and you'll probably have to watch it multiple times to, like get everything but I, I i fucking love it um and i think that that's interesting an artist adapted their own work into a new medium yeah definitely it worked as well as it did that's you know? interesting that stop motion is, the, is yeah. the medium they chose though that's really cool it's so out there man um yeah that's that's my first pick for one of my best what, what about you? Do you so i talked about jurassic park that was definitely one i was going to bring up regardless um but so i talked a little bit about it i do have one for my worst um i guess we can get i have a story for that it's a whole thing okay um, uh if you want me to get into it now or we can go over another one of your favorite picks before we get into the horrid, horrid gotcha ones. gotcha um well yeah i'd just like to bring up Silence of the Lambs as another oh, yeah. really great adaptation. Fuck yeah. Because I, I, I do think that it's stronger than mm-hmm. source material. Like, I don't think Thomas Harris is a bad writer at all, but I think that when he was writing the books, he didn't know fully what he had with 
especially the character of Hannibal Lecter. Like, I think he mm-hmm. had an, an idea of what he had because, you know, he appears in Red Dragon and then, boom, mm-hmm. in the sequel, he's an even bigger part of the story. But, like, the, Silence of the Lambs cuts right to the chase. You know, sexism in the workplace. Yeah. Uh, Clarice, I think, is a, a stronger character in the film. Mm-hmm. And in and, and the films throughout, uh, you know... I don't even know what to say. Silence of the Lambs is just like the perfect movie. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think by being a shortened and more condensed version of the story of the novel, it actually helps that plot line like shine through. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fucking incredible. Yeah. I, I love Silence of the Lambs. Jonathan Dem just did an amazing job with it. And I, I mean, if you still haven't seen it, like, Go fucking go, check this please, movie out, bro. please. It's in my top ten, I do believe. Silence of the Lambs is it's a wonderful fucking adaptation. Um, yeah. I I haven't read the books. I know about them. I know the whole storyline with Red Dragon and then Hannibal and Silence, but everything. But Silence of the Lambs is just one of my favorites of all time. Just it's such a a perfect lesson in um, visual storytelling as well as character development or mm-hmm. character or just character building, like. Everything about that movie is on just on a whole new level. Great I would movie. love to have an episode sometimes, not exclusively about Silence of the Lambs, but transphobia in film and oh, why yeah. a lot of people draw lines to Silence of the Lambs, even though I don't think that Silence of the Lambs is inherently transphobic. No. I do think that people might be right in thinking that it inspired quite a bit yeah. of transphobia outside of the medium and also throughout a lot of other movies that have yeah. come out since. I went on I wrote a whole little mini rant on Twitter actually about that one time. I can't remember really? I can't remember what triggered me about it, but somebody said something and I was like, man, this is what I think about it. But yeah, I would definitely like to get into that. Yeah, maybe have some research. Yeah, you know, let's get some research. <laughs> um because yeah, I mean I would I would like to defend Silence of the Lambs uh, I don't think that it's transphobic, but I, I, I do see where people are coming from yeah. that it, it's inspired a lot of transphobia mm-hmm. sense. And like, I think that even though it was well-intentioned, I mean, yeah. harm can still be done. Um, so you, you only want to talk about worse after this. So maybe uh, I should do another good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was just going to say Lord of the Rings is probably yeah. the best, like straight up franchise adaptation out there because it's just a franchise that knew that it couldn't possibly shove everything in from those dense, dense Tolkien books into the movies. So they picked the best stuff. Yep. They cut they cut what didn't need to be in there. They added depth where it was needed. Like I think Lord of the Rings, I you know, as much as I love Tolkien's writings, like I think that Lord of the Rings, the films are always gonna be my go to way of enjoying Middle Earth. You know, yeah. I fucking love the feeling that those mm-hmm. movies give me and the story that they convey is timeless. Like, truly. Yeah. I, I think people a hundred years from now will be able to watch the Lord of the Rings movies and go like, wow, yeah. that's a really solid movie. And there's only like a couple moments that maybe they'll think like, okay, that's outdated. I don't know what people yeah. in fucking 2001 were thinking when they <laughs> did that. In 2101, we don't even shit anymore. So I don't know why they had to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say, on in the same vein of Lord of the Rings, though, I I just remembered this. I think I haven't read all the books, but I, I think I read one. The Narnia uh, book to movie adaptations. I think the Narnia movies, or at least the first two, I the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. I can't remember enough, but I know that the first two 
pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. I really love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I yeah. think that is an awesome adaptation. It's a great movie. Um, and from what I've heard, doesn't uh, doesn't dismiss the, the books at all. just changes some things. Yeah. And makes it more like what Fincher does. You know, it's compact and it's efficient. Like, that's what The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe does. Because the series, the book series is very convoluted with like what's going on and, and i think the first narnia movie really set it up like this is what's going on um you know and makes it like easier to understand i guess for like trying to cram you know a whole prequel before it you know because the books they kind of like prince caspian is the fourth book um but there's two prequels it's a prequel then it's the lion the witch of the wardrobe yeah then a prequel and then prince caspian but with the movies they just went you know, Lion Witch Wardrobe, then Prince Caspian. And I think it works better that way. I think, so, I think, yeah, telling, telling them in like publication order rather than yeah. like chronological order was definitely the way to go. I do think Disney squandered their oh, franchise yeah. potential. Like I think that when Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe came out, like there was enough critical acclaim mm-hmm. and, and, and fan hype that this could have been a big franchise. And the first movie is really solid. Yeah. I think they waited too long to mm-hmm. release the second one. And then, much too long to release Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and it feels like you know, they kind of gave up at that yeah. point. And I and I I wish that this had been treated better, and we could have gotten more Narnia movies because, I mean, it's not my favorite fantasy franchise, but it I mean it's got some solid stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, especially going off the first movie, they could have done a really great yeah. piece of work with that. I agree. Um, but you know, maybe we should talk about. The not so good the shitty, adaptations, the shitty group. out there. Do you do you? So you have one in mind? That yeah. You're about? So it's like a whole story, right? And I'm just gonna come right out and say it. I didn't finish the movie because it was so bad. Because I couldn't take it anymore, and because I knew this particular story behind this like thing. Okay, so are you familiar with? And I'm sorry, I don't remember names. Uh, it's but it was a huge long article that. Um, I read in college about it. Um, are you familiar with the play Killer Joe? No. Okay. So this article came out and it's very unfortunate that this play was attached to this kind of, you know, tragedy really. There was an, as a stage actor, don't remember his name. He's very, very, very manipulative, uh, abusive. And he I think he believe he sexually assaulted, uh, you know, a couple of uh, women um, he was cast as Killer Joe in the play Killer Joe. It's a re- it was a really famous play at the time, and people were doing it in this uh, small theater um, in, I think it was Wisconsin, don't quote me, but it was, it was somewhere around that area uh, that a little playhouse was doing it, and this dude um, basically was friends with the director, and he was cast in basically every main production that they did. But on the set of Killer Joe... There was the play is about this dude, Joe, who is like really abusive towards like women. He's like just got out of jail. It's supposed to be really violent play, really, really nasty, like lots of language, lots of this and that nudity and whatever and the fuck. And um, basically, I mean, it went on for years. He um, they didn't use proper stage combat. So he would literally slap the shit out of people and even off the stage, he would be super abusive to people and there was no way to stop him because he was friends with the director and with everybody who was in the, you know, in that like theater. And so basically women specifically got the brunt of his violence every time they did a like production with him. But it was something, it was Killer Joe 
that when um, one of the women started to finally speak out and found like fucking 15 to 20 other women that had encountered the same type of violence from this person, like from this, you know, specifically tied to Killer Joe, it was really, really fucked up. And if I can find the article, I'll link it in on YouTube, on our, on our YouTube uh, video when this drops. I'll link the article if I can find it. Um, worth the read. Really fucked up. So I was... Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I was curious about the movie adaptation of Killer Joe. So this already seems like a cursed property, you know? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, I got 15 to 20 minutes into the movie and I turned it the fuck off. This is the worst, probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Really? Like, so fucking bad. They, there's, like, gross-out humor and, like, nudity. And, like, they say words. Like, you can tell it's, like, from a play because of the way they talk and how they, like, drone. Like, kind of the conversations are way longer than they normally would be in a film. So you can already tell that it's, like, okay, this is definitely, like, play material. But <laughs> it's so littered with, like, like cuss words that have no business being in there like they say things sometimes and i'm like why did you say that that's completely gross it has nothing to do with what you're talking about and the first like scene of the movie there's just this completely frontal nude naked woman come out and they talk about her vagina using the most vile fucking words but it has the thing like i wouldn't be bothered by that if it wasn't for the fact that it had no business being in here and it served the story no purpose on top of that what I read about what the story was about in the play was completely different from the movie. The movie mm. fucked it all up. Like, I'm telling you, I, 20 minutes was all I could stand. It was the most obnoxious, pornographic, stupid fucking shit I'd ever fucking seen. And just knowing about the history of the, the production of this play in, like, Wisconsin with that one, with that guy, it just it was just tainted the whole thing for me. And I was like, man, fuck this. I will never watch this. I will never even try to watch this fucking movie again. It was super low budget as well. It was horrible. Worst adaptation I've ever seen of a play. Normally play adaptations go pretty well from what I've seen. Normally, normally that's, you know, you can expect at least mediocre. This shit was horrible. It was absolutely horrid. I don't know if the play is as bad as the movie. Probably should read the play, but I was under the impression that it's actually a good play. Just really fucked up shit happened in this particular production. Mm. And I wanted to watch the movie and don't don't watch Killer Joe. Just don't fucking watch it. It's really fucking bad. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't stand it. I turned it off. So, Shit. if you don't want to take my opinion just because I didn't watch it all the way through, that's fine. I understand. But just know I couldn't take it anymore <laughs> when I turned it off. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I have I have an article to read. Yeah. Sounds like for sure. Really fucking crazy stuff. Yeah. It just sounds vile. It's like very the whole vile. Thing. It's yeah. It's bad. Um. Well, shit. I, I don't. I don't know how to follow that up. I, I kind of want to get, I wanted to get personal too, but like, mm-hmm. obviously it's not on that scale and I, I don't have as right of an, as much of a right to be angry about it. But something that I feel fucking crazy about constantly is people tell me they think the disaster artist is a good movie. And mm. like, whether they've seen the room or not, or whether they've read the book or not, they're like, I love the disaster artist. I don't get it. I think it is a subpar adaptation of a much more interesting book. And I also think that James Franco is a pretty shit director. And I think that the book, The Disaster Artist, is such an interesting look at one of the worst movies of all time. And also of the budding career of someone who actually probably could have made it as an actor Mm. in a different life. You know, like had moderate success as a model 
And, like, the book is about Greg Sestero, who yeah. plays Mark in the movie. And my, my biggest problem with the adaptation is that James Franco has, like, taken the book and removed its author's input in his life and has instead decided to focus on Tommy Wiseau because it's funny when you talk in Tommy Wiseau way and Tommy Wiseau make the room so he must be a real funny guy. (laughs) But the thing is, like, the book points out, like, very clearly abusive behavior from Tommy Wiseau and talks about terrible things he does. And, I mean, the movie gets into it, but you're supposed to leave it and you're supposed to love him still. Yeah. And it's like that honesty from the book has been stripped away. The author's voice and the author's character in the movie, Greg, completely like stripped down. Dave Franco's terrible in yeah. Disaster Artist. I hate Dave Franco. I, don't I really. think he's a terrible actor. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, James Franco's an asshole, so I mean, I, 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 I feel less bad about saying all this. But it just feels like a movie he made to cast a bunch of his friends in and do his Tommy Wiseau impression for like yeah. an hour and a half. It doesn't inspire me. It makes me just pissed off that they took uh, an actual inspiring book and like a, a, an interesting book and they just bastardized it for the screen. I fucking don't like The Disaster Artist and I think it's a shit adaptation I'll take the L there, if that's an L. <laughs> but I'll take this big dub by saying an opinion everyone has. Uh, the Hobbit's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah, it, it just goes to show you do not make a trilogy of movies that are three hours long based on one book that yeah. is shorter than all of the other Lord of the Rings. They books. stretched it for four movies and it was one book. Three. But who, or three, guy, sorry. Fucking what the hell is I thought they did a part one and part two for the Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies. Did they not? No. Oh, it was just three? Okay. It was just three. That's, I mean, every other like book franchise yeah, does those. part one and part two. But with the Hobbit, they just did part one, part two, and part three mm-hmm. of one book, you know, and it's it doesn't work. Yeah. I think I think Unexpected Journey is one that I like. You know, I think that's the only one that I think really gets the adventurous tone of the book down yeah and then desolation of smog and battle of the five armies are, are shit tier bad just bad movies in my opinion like i do not enjoy watching those movies and it's astounding because peter jackson is a great director yeah like genuinely i i don't know what happened here because i mean lord of the rings was so well thought out so carefully adapted like I think what people point to is that Guillermo del Toro was supposed to do these movies and he put in the work into pre-production and then they mm. went a different way and Peter Jackson just did not have the prep time that he yeah. needed to adapt these movies and it, it, it's clear. Yeah. And also it should have been two movies at most. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, it's pretty pretty bad if you ask yeah. me. Do you have any other adaptations um, you don't care for? I don't really care for um, Percy Jackson. Yeah, Percy uh, Jackson. Those are pretty bad. Too. That's a W right there, I don't, no matter where you go. Yeah, I don't really care for most video game movie adaptations. Yeah. Um, Super Mario Brothers being the worst offender, probably. I love that movie, not because it's about... Just because it's so fucking ridiculous funky. and funny. Yeah. Um, what's some other bad movie, uh, video game movie adaptation? There's been a couple. Oh, God. There was, like, a Prince of Persia one for some reason. Yeah, that, that was, was not good. Distasteful. Um, I also, like... I think the Assassin's Creed one was supposed to be bad. I never saw it. I'm trying to think of ones that I've seen right now. The Assassin's Creed movie was just awful in general. Like, it's horrid, 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 horrid. 
don't like that at all. Okay, a lot of people hated it. Maybe it's because I haven't played the games. It's probably because I haven't played the games. But I wasn't too, you know, um, uh, what, what's the word? I wasn't too put off by the Warcraft movie. I know oh, I a lot of it. I know a lot of people fucking hate that movie, and they think it's absolutely bastardized the game entirely. Because I know the game, you know, the World of Warcraft. It's a huge game. Everybody mm. loves it. They worship it. Apparently, the movie's dog shit. I don't think it was that bad as a movie. As somebody who hasn't played the game and just watched the movie, I don't think I found the movie enjoyable, honestly. Um, but I don't. I mean, take my opinion with a grain of salt, honestly, because I haven't played the game, so I have no ties to World of Warcraft. I think that we might get our first truly great video game adaptation here in a little bit, which isn't surprising because the game it's based on pretty much wants to be a TV show anyway. But um, Last of Us from HBO. Yeah. Really excited about that. Craig Mazin um, directing. Mm -hmm. Pedro Pascal has yep. been cast. Um, fuck, I forgot the girl who's Ellie, but she's really good in other things. I think she's Bella. Uh, the, 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 it's something, the, the little Mormont from uh, Game of Thrones, Lady Mormont. Oh, yeah, yeah her. She, she's yeah. fucking fantastic, too. I think her name's like Bella Ramsey mm -hmm. or something. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. But I think that's kind of cheating because, again, like, I can't state this enough. The Last of Us video game feels like it's trying to be a movie most yeah. of the time anyway. Like, down to the fact that the actors are, like, motion captured. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just like... Well, and it's a good movie. It is a good fucking movie in I, that game. I guess one that we... The Last of Us story is incredible. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you made me think The Witcher. That yeah. on the Netflix series. From what I've heard... Pretty, pretty damn good. Like, what are you... I haven't watched it, so... It is pretty good. I think that they have the benefit of having short stories and novels to Oh, yeah. They've got well. a whole lore of books and stuff. And they're going more for, like, the books than they are okay. going for the video games. But, I mean, if you're a fan of the video games, you will recognize characters in the show. And they, they do some pretty cool stuff. I was glad to see that it got renewed because I felt like the longer this show goes on the better it could get. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I think that one of my favorite adaptations that became one of my least favorite adaptations is definitely the Game of Thrones series. Yeah, I was um, going to mention that as well. Like, the first three books are so well adapted. That's seasons one through four. Mm -hmm. They're brilliant. Like, I think that they found all the right stuff to keep. They added a bunch of stuff and, mm -hmm. and fleshed out all the right characters. Um... I love Game of Thrones seasons one through four, especially. I even like five and six. I do too. Um, because the, there are still books that mm -hmm. they're based on. So I guess you can't really fault them because where the show gets bad, it's technically not adapting anything. Yeah. You know, there's no source material for it. So they're just going off of like notes that George R.R. R. Martin has for his finale. But I think that that really showed the weakness of Game of Thrones as a show as a whole is that the showrunners never fully understood what made the characters great. There are moments that they wrote really brilliantly, but it showed that the magic behind the show was always George R. R. Martin's novels and the material that they were pulling out of that because the instant they were out of novels, yeah. they ran out of fucking, like... <laughs> smart juice i guess yeah, you know? yeah. like they fucking they, they botched all of those characters in those last two seasons and it everything was just so rushed and not well thought dumb. out 
just because they fucking... wanted to go work on Star Wars. And, and then, then they're not even working, they're on, not Star working Wars. on Star Wars. And they also wanted to do another show called Confederate, and it would have been a historical fiction show about uh, if the Confederacy had won and what you know it would look like today. And it just sounds uh, predictable and trite, and it sounds like Man in High Castle, but for Confederates, like I don't, I'm just not interested in fucking seeing that. Yeah. And it, it, clearly, no one else was because the project was quickly canned. Yeah, um, I wouldn't trust them to write that either. Even if it was made, I wouldn't want them to write something no, like that. No, you can't imagine that would be a no. very respectful mm-hmm. series no, happening right not, there. Not at all. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Mm. I will tell you one adaptation that hasn't been released yet that I wanted to touch on. Speaking of video games, um, it's in the works right now. I hope it gets canned. Um, a lot of people may disagree with me, but I just don't think that this vi- particular video game franchise can be adapted well into uh, a show. I don't think it can be adapted into anything. I think its perfect form is where it's at, and that's a video game, and that's Fallout. Oh. They're Amazon Prime doing their Fallout TV show. I don't think it work. I don't think it will work because the video games are so far removed from our reality. Um, I know. I know. Obviously, I know. I know. Fantasy movies. You know, sci-fi. That's very far removed. I'm talking about the way that characters in the Fallout franchise speak, the things that they do, the humor in the game. You can only get that from the game, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to translate well at all into a TV show. And if they do the TV show, I think it's going to be shit. And I think I'm going to fucking hate it. Am I going to watch it? Fuck yes, I'm going to watch it. Because what if it's actually really good? Yeah, that'd be awesome. But at this point, I am 99.999% positive that this show will fucking fail. And nobody will like it. Because you just... I don't think you can properly translate Fallout onto the screen. Which, you know, I don't know. if like... It'd be super awesome if, like, my career, you know, my peak of my my career as a filmmaker would be adapting Fallout to, like, yeah. TV. That would be awesome. Like, I would love to do that. But also, I think I would turn it down because I'm like, I don't think you can do this. I really yeah. don't think you can. Um, but Amazon does have a good track record, I think, with their shows. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see. But also, if it gets canned, I'm not going to be surprised and I'm not going to be upset about it. You know, at the at the risk of going down a whole nother rabbit hole, which maybe we need to save this, but like, I just think that something about the Fallout video games in particular is that um, what drives them is player choice. Yeah, you know, like in, in New Vegas especially, it's just like the role the role playing mm-hmm. is what makes Fallout great. Yeah, because when you role play as a certain character and make certain choices, you leave stones in the world unturned Mm -hmm. that subsequent playthroughs can reveal in a movie you don't get that i mean in a movie you have one set path you have one set storyline and you have one character who's in one role and there's no interactivity like i think especially with the fallout franchise it's player Mm -hmm. inactivity Mm -hmm. it's role playing it's dialogue choice that's what makes that franchise great otherwise it's just post-apocalypse fiction inspired by mad max and i mean it's good it just the lore has never been why people keep playing Fallout. It's the game aspect. Yeah, it's, it's it's gaming in general, and I would love to do a whole episode about like narrative mm-hmm. function in game and how games tell stories because they've been getting better. At yeah, it. They I mean, have as to. an art form, 
I think it's something that is uh, going to have to be respected. Oh yeah, I'm too. sorry. Yeah, no, the the video games that are coming out, especially indie games. Yeah, I'm taking way more seriously as an art form more than anything. Like it's it's great. I would love to do that. I okay, let's pencil it in. Okay. Narrative in video games. You know, go full mind over gaming yeah. mode or whatever. We'll do a whole I'll do a whole mind over gaming intro. I'll I'll convert our intro to like a bit eight bit, eight -bit theme. Yeah. It's coming, people. We're penciling it in. Well, we have been recording for a while, so this this ending might be rushed, but next week we will be doing Black Widow spoilers. We will yep. be doing Loki spoilers. So if you don't like spoilers, uh, you can always tune into the beginning of our podcast and hear whatever else we watch yeah. this week. Um and anyway, thank you as always for listening. I've been Isaac. And I've been Casey. And I'm going to steal your microphone. No! <laughs> <laughs> and your laptop. And I'm stealing your wallet and your keys. You thought it was over. You oh, thought it was over, you, you little fucking bitch. I'm stealing your fucking Coke can. No. Get, give me your He's fucking taking valuables. Shit. Open up Here, your fucking... Here's my wallet. Take it. Just take my wallet. Oh, take off your pants. Okay. I'm do a full search. <laughs> oh, well, he's, doing it. It. he's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's doing it. He's a little pee-pee.